great to see you all this morning. Thanks for being a part of worship at Brewster Baptist Church. But one of the fun things for me about our 66-week journey through the Bible is that uh, I get to read about, again, some of my favorite people who I meet in the pages of the Scriptures. And, you know, many of the characters we encounter in the pages of the Bible, we only see them once or for a brief moment in time in their life. But Samuel is that very rare person who we learn about before he's even born, then in childhood, to mature adulthood, and then to the very end of his life. And in the book that bears his name, which reflects his significance and importance and influence, we learn about his family before he's even conceived, about his early childhood, and then we read about his rise to prominence as a prophet and as a leader. Samuel's mother, Hannah, who Pat introduced us to, follows in a significant line of formerly barren women who later in life give birth to a child of great importance upon whom the favor of God rests. And we saw this three times in the book of Genesis with Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and then more recently in Judges with the mother of Samson. Turning to the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke, we see this pattern continue with Elizabeth, who is the mother of John the Baptist. Now, Samuel's mother, Hannah, is the second wife of a man named Elkanah. Bigamy was prevalent enough in the Old Testament that we read about it involving several key figures, including Jacob, Samuel, David, and Solomon. So just keep that in mind when you say you believe in biblical family values. Just... So as we heard, Hannah prays fervently for a child, and finally her prayer is answered. And her prayer of thanksgiving in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that Pat read is the model for the better-known prayer of Mary in Luke chapter 1 in verses 46 to 55. And it's pretty clear to me that it seems like the wonderful early stories of Samuel from 1 Samuel influenced and were in the mind of Luke as he composed his gospel. If you look at the first two chapters of the gospel of Luke, you'll hear all kinds of echoes from the beginning of Samuel's story, and I think you'll find it enlightening if you sit down and read Hannah's prayer and then read Mary's right after it. Often we don't realize how much of the New Testament is built on the foundation of the Hebrew Bible. So Hannah prays, and she tells God, if you answer my prayer, if you give me a son, she says she will give him up to the Lord's service, and she is true to her word. Can you imagine after wanting and praying for a child for years, she then gives that child up so that he can be raised to be a priest serving the Lord and God's people. How do you think she felt doing that? What's the most valuable thing you've ever given up or given away? Why do you think you did it, whatever it was that you gave away. What motivated you? Can't imagine, can you, giving away your firstborn child? And when you keep reading in 
1 Samuel, can you imagine the emotion and the poignancy when once a year Hannah would come along with her husband to make their annual sacrifice and she would bring her young little boy a robe that she had made for him for that next year. Oh. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 26 it says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. And again, Luke uses very similar language to describe the growth of John the Baptist and Jesus in Luke chapter 1 verse 80 and Luke 2:52. And so that brings us to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, where now we hear about Samuel as a boy. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again. Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This is God's word for us for today. We're told that the word of the Lord was rare in Samuel's day. Visions were not widespread. The people had not heard directly from the Lord for a while. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we also know it's the darkest time of the night. And we know this because the lamp of the Lord, a flame that burned pure olive oil in the tent of meeting where the Ark of the Covenant was, and yes, for the Indiana Jones fans, the, that Ark of the Covenant, the light had not yet gone out. And that lamp was tended by the sons of Aaron, by the priests from evening until morning. And in most cases, just like today, Working third shift usually falls to the rookies, right? To those with the least seniority. They're the ones who get stuck when shifts are bid. And that's the case here also. Eli, the old priest, he's over in his room. He's asleep. And Samuel, we're told, is ministering before the Lord. 
which is a spiritual way of saying it was his responsibility to make sure the lamp didn't go out during the night. Now, in many ways, this is a story about interrupted sleep. Interrupted sleep. It's a story about an older man who's trying to sleep and keeps having his rest disturbed by a 12-year-old who comes into his room three times in the middle of the night. I suspect this is a topic some of you may feel very well qualified to preach about from personal experience. There are perhaps few circumstances in life in which our thoughts fly to our lips faster than when someone wakes us up in the middle of the night. But there's not many. I'm hungry. That's why I told you to eat your dinner. Right? I'm thirsty. I can't sleep. I had a bad dream. I'm too hot. I'm too cold. And while no one likes to be awakened in the middle of the night, we understand these things happen. However, it's not a pretty sight to wake a man up in the middle of the night to tell him he did something he knows he didn't do. And when Samuel shows up saying, here I am, for you called me, Eli, due to his spiritual maturity, or perhaps he's just sleepy, just tells Samuel, just go back and lie down. And Eli probably tried to go back to sleep muttering to himself, jeez, this kid, he keeps waking me up. I can't believe this. I'm not going to be able to function in the morning. Any of you relate to any of this at all from any time in your life? But Eli's not the only one having someone call on him and interrupt his sleep. Little Samuel's there lying down. Now, we're told he's lying down. We're not told that he's asleep, but I'm guessing he's in that close in-between state trying to keep his eyes open watching that lamp. And Samuel's respectful in his response to the older priest. Sometimes when we're young, we can be a little impatient with those who are older than we are as their physical capacities diminish. A typical 12-year-old boy might have been thinking to himself by the third time, geez, the poor old man, not only can't he see, can't hear anything either. I know I heard something. Just because he's lived five or six times longer than me, <laughs> what does he know? So we have two confused, frustrated people, both hearing voices in the night, tired of being interrupted. Now, most of us don't like being interrupted when we're trying to do something, right? How many times have you said to someone, don't interrupt me? Can't you see I'm busy? However, if this story teaches us anything, it teaches us that interruptions can be divine appointments. Interruptions can be divine appointments. I went to pray with 101-year-old Muffy Freeman this past Wednesday, and I was grateful to be able to be there to speak very personally to her about uh, my appreciation for her and the blessing I've had in knowing her for more than 20 years. And I prayed that the Lord would welcome her soon to her eternal home as a member of God's own family, and that happened the very next morning. And when I left Muffy's on Wednesday, I was heading back home to pick up Jill. We were going to go to our next commitment, which was all the way up in North Truro, and I was concerned about the time. And as I was getting ready to pull back onto Route 6A there in Yarmouthport, I was surprised to see a long line of traffic all backed up heading east. I'm like, what is this? It's the middle of the week. What's going on? And when I finally got up to 6A and turned left, I 
could look down the road, and I saw there was a car that everyone was pulling around. And when I got close enough, there was three cars. I went right behind them, and as I pulled around, I saw there was a woman older than me in a car that was also a little older, and she was just sitting there in her car, and as I looked at her as I went by, I noticed she wasn't on a phone, and she looked forlorn. And so I pulled over around the corner, and I ran back to her car, and I you know, asked if I could help her. And she said, well, her battery had died. And I asked, do you mind if I reach in your car and put your hazard lights on so that people know that you're stopped? And she wasn't sure what, ha- I said, yeah. so I did that. And, and then I was only, was less than 100 yards down the street to a service station. So I said, I'll be right back. So I ran down 6A to the service station. I said, hey, you know, you've got a woman right down here. I can't jump her car because I've got a hybrid. You know, can you get somebody down here? And then I went out of the gas station. I called the Yarmouth police and said, you really should send a cruiser down here. You got traffic backed up over a tenth of a mile. We got a broken down car. So then I ran back down to her car. And when I got there, another guy had just pulled over. And it's a small car. So I said, come on, let's just push this out of the road so we get her a little safer and the traffic can go. So we pushed her car out of the road. And I told the guy I'd wait till the police came and all that. And so I was talking with her and getting some of her story and everything. I told her my name and who I was. And so we were talking, and eventually a very nice Yarmouth police officer came and called a tow truck and all that. And, and, you know, she thanked me, and I went on my way. And I didn't even think at that moment. It was only the next day when I was in my office and I have to give the office questions that are in the bulletin every week about the sermon, that I said, oh my gosh, I had an interruption that was a divine appointment, you know, that God used, so I happened to be there that I could help that woman at that moment when she needed it. Oh my gosh, how thick do you have to be, right? I mean, how dense do you have to be? You're preaching on this, and you didn't even get it right away. So don't be surprised if sometimes it takes you a while to realize, oh my gosh, Maybe God wanted to use me in this particular situation. Almost anything can be a divine appointment and not just an interruption or an irritation to your plans if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. One time I attended a pastor's retreat down at the Craigville Conference Center here on the Cape, and it was billed as a time to get away from our busy schedules and the activity and noise of church life, to spend time quietly listening to God in prayer in this quiet location on the Cape. You know, it wasn't quite as you know, big a drive to do that in my backyard, but anyway, I was there. So we're all gathered in this big room of this house at the Craigville Conference Center, and one of the leaders, he had just finished some introductory remarks about how we were going to proceed through these quiet hours of contemplation. But from where I was sitting, I could see out the window to the end of the porch. And as I was looking out the window, just as we're getting ready to begin praying, I see two workmen come up. One has got a crowbar that's like this big. Another guy's got what looked like a really big hammer. And I'm watching them, and they're coming with a clear intent. I mean, I had entered the house, so I saw it. They're going to start ripping out this old door frame and the surrounding shingles. And as they got ready to begin, and I was the only one who could see them because of where I was seated. Everyone else had their back kind of to them. 
And I suggested to the, one of the organizers, uh, you might want to go outside and talk to these two guys who are about to shatter the quiet, contemplative atmosphere, literally with a bang. And the noise commenced, and it startled several people, but the facilitator went out and talked to them, and he returned after a moment, and he said they were leaving for now, but they would be back at 4 o'clock. And a few people, like irritated pastors will, made comments about why, since we were the only group at the conference center, did this work have to begin now? Why did it have to be today? And, and then someone made a comment. And they said they thought it was interesting that we had come to listen to God. And God had sent two workmen to begin the symbolic work of ripping out an old entryway and constructing a new one. And perhaps the Lord was telling us through this interruption that we needed to look at our own lives and how we either let God in or shut God out. And maybe we needed to be open to God entering our lives and speaking to us in new ways. Well, that, was, that interruption in that word was the most insightful part of the whole retreat. And I think it's especially true in our lives. So often when something's going on, we think it's an interruption, it's a distraction, it's an irritation. And it may be God trying to get through to you. Interruptions can be divine appointments if we have eyes and ears open to God speaking to us. When you picture people listening to God. You may imagine being on a retreat or seeking to carve out a few quiet moments for you to listen and contemplate by the ocean or reading or praying or in worship like we are right now or when you journal. However, it's really important also just to develop the sensitivity and awareness to the voice of God calling to you and speaking to you in your work, in your routine, at school, in the events of your daily life, even and especially when you think something is an interruption or a disturbance. When you read the Bible, as we have been, you know, some of us are doing, going through, many of the most significant spiritual experiences are interruptions. I'd make the argument most of them are. They're not planned. Moses is just out taking care of sheep. And then there's this bush that's burning and not consumed. Boom. Whole life changes. It's an interruption, right? While we're on shepherds, think about the Gospel of Luke. Right? Shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock. Here we are, third shift, everything else. Whoa! Interruption. Saul's on the road to Damascus. He's got his agenda. I'm going to get these guys. I'm going to throw them in prison. Boom. Interruption. Life changes. History changes. Eli, he's an old priest at this point in his life. He's somewhat depressed because his sons were corrupt, lacking in faithfulness and integrity. What a burden for a parent to bear to know that his children were failures. They were failing themselves, their family, their people, their God. But Eli knew about prayer and listening to God, and he may not have done well raising his sons, but he wasn't going to mess up this last chance with Samuel. In his book, Prayer and Praying Men, E.M. Bounds 
describes Samuel this way. He says, Samuel came into this world and was given existence in direct answer to prayer. He was born of a praying mother whose heart was full of earnest desire for a son. This praying mother put him directly in touch with the minister of the sanctuary and under the influence of the house of prayer. He was in a favorable place to hear God when he spoke to him. But young Samuel didn't know the Lord yet. The Lord hadn't spoken to him before. So he's hearing, but he's not understanding what's happening. Eli, at first, doesn't hear, and he doesn't understand what's going on either. God, however, is, if anything, persistent. God is persistent in trying to communicate with you and in trying to communicate with Samuel. So when Samuel interrupts Eli the third time saying, here I am for you called me, the sleepy older man finally realizes this is not a child's dream or interruption, it's a divine encounter. Have you ever had the experience in your life of having to learn the same lesson over and over? Anybody? Until you finally got, have you ever prayed for patience and then had one of the worst days of your life? Having to wait everywhere you went? Yeah, and I bet you were thanking God for answering that prayer when it happened too, right? Have you ever, ever prayed for God to make you more loving and to fill your heart with more love and then had to deal with difficult people who you just wanted to go, Rah! Like Samuel, has God ever tried to tell you something and you didn't hear and you didn't hear and God just keeps trying to get through? I suspect you have a lot of company. So what do you learn from this story of young Samuel for your relationship with God? Interruptions can be divine appointments. Eli and Samuel remind us to be open to hearing from God all the time. And Samuel demonstrates the response that God desires from you and from me, from all of us. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We are all called to be servants of God. And Samuel's attitude is one of submission and a willingness to serve, to do whatever God is calling him to do. And even though if you read in the book of 1 Samuel, the message that he received was a difficult one what he had to say to Eli and to the people. He didn't shrink from sharing it. He invited God to speak to him, listened, and then he acted obediently on what he was told. I believe God desires to communicate with each and every one of us all the time. Uh, Jill and I were up in Maine with my dad, and as always, we went to his favorite Chinese restaurant, which is what most people do when they go to Maine. And, and, you know, part of going to, you know, this Panda Garden, and at the end of the meal, of course, you always get fortune cookies, right, which are opened with great anticipation of the keen insight and prophetic knowledge into your personal life and your future that's revealed. Okay, maybe not. But there is a part of us, like when you're cracking open a foot, it's like part of you want to hear from God. You want a word. And the question is, can you be open to hearing from God even in the interruptions and irritations and disturbances in your plans and schedule? Might God speak to you in the night through your dreams? We're going to see in two weeks that that's exactly what happens to Solomon. Perhaps 
God first has to get your attention somehow so that God's word can get through? Can you open new entryways into your heart and life so that God may come in? In some cases, that may require a little renovation of your heart. Samuel responded to the Lord and served faithfully and with integrity for the rest of his life. And even though people disappointed him by their lack of faithfulness and obedience, he stayed true. And our final scripture today is actually from 1 Samuel chapter 12, beginning at verse 19. And it reveals Samuel as an older man, heartbroken by the people's desire for a king so they can be like every other nation, instead of following and serving the Lord alone. Samuel, to this point, has been his nation's leader in every sense of that word. And regardless of his faith and integrity, the people had rejected God and longed for a human king. And Samuel felt that was a rejection of him as well. This is what the scripture says. All the people said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we may not die. Because Samuel has told them the consequences of what's going to happen. For we have added to all our sins the evil of demanding a king for ourselves. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after useless things that cannot profit or save, for they are useless I have to tell you, like when I was working on my sermon this week, I want to do a whole other sermon just on that verse. There are so many people turning after useless things that cannot profit or save, that are useless. But I can't do three sermons today. So back to the scripture. For the Lord will not cast away his people for his great name's sake. It's not because of them, it's because of his name. Because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, and these verses as a pastor just really get me right here. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. It's beautiful. And I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord. And serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you will be swept away, both you and your king. Whew. Well, as I said, I've got about six sermons I wanted to do out of this text. But let me close by saying there are four, at least four significant things that we learn from Samuel that are beneficial for us to emulate. Samuel learned that interruptions can be divine appointments. Interruptions can be divine appointments. Next, Samuel listened to God's word and obeyed it. And we want to do both things. Listen and obey. Third, Samuel was a man of prayer. And he invested his life instructing and teaching others how to live God's way. Samuel also served the Lord faithfully, remembering all that the Lord had done for him. It's so important. We're hearing over and over in these early books of the Bible. Remember, remember, remember. Don't forget, don't forget all that God has done. 
Each of us in our own way can seek to do these things as well as we pursue lives that, like Samuel, are marked by integrity and faith. We can say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Okay, you ever watch a movie like on a DVD or online or whatever, and there's a thing called a director's cut that adds things that weren't in the original movie? So, do you want, I'm giving you an option now. You can say, Doug, we've had enough, sit down. <laughs> or if you want a PS story, I'll tell you a quick PS story. You want, okay, really quickly, really quickly. So yesterday, yesterday was Jill's birthday. And so I drank, yay. And, and we love ice cream cakes from Gone Chocolate, which is down in Osterville. So I drove down to Osterville to pick up Jill's cake, which I had ordered, and I'm driving back on Route 6, and everyone's flying down Route 6, and I'm in the right-hand lane, and I'm I go by Willow Street. You, most of you can picture this. I go by Willow Street. I'm on Route 6, and there's cars in front of me, so I can't see very far down the road. And as the road starts to bend, I see there's a pickup truck in the breakdown lane, hazard lights on, a gas canister, red gas canister behind the truck, and a woman standing there going like this. And so I drove, and I'm like, after Wednesday, I was ready. <laughs> so, I mean, I, pull, I went by, pulled over, put on my hazards, carefully backed up, and, you know, they'd run out of gas and everything else. And so I, they had a gas canister. I said, well, give me your gas canister. I'll go to the next exit, I'll fill it for you, I'm gonna have to go back, you know, mid-cave, back to Route, you know, come around Willow Street, come back around. I said, you stay here in case a state trooper comes, you wanna have someone at your vehicle. So I took their gas canister and, you know, the woman, where they were like, no one has stopped, we've been standing here, da 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 no problem, don't worry about it. So I went and got gas and I looped around and I came back, I got, you know, did it all in about 15 minutes and, and uh, you know, I left, gave them the gas and they were so grateful and the woman reiterated, no one else has stopped. No one else has stopped. And I talked to them briefly because I didn't want to tell them, you know, I've got an ice cream cake in my back seat here. You know, and it's my wife's birthday. I need to get home. We got dinner. We got a party and everything else. And, and they asked if I was local. And I said, yes, I live in Brewster. And they live in Truro and everything. And he said, I told them my name. And I mentioned that I was a pastor at Brewster. And they're like, oh, I don't know. And, and I asked, they said, isn't there an AA meeting at your church? I said, yes, Brewster Monday night, 7 o'clock and everything else. Oh, that's great. We spoke a little more, and they said they'd be fine. They could put together, and I, and I knew I had to get back. And I never told them, well, it's my wife's birthday, and I got this ice cream cake and everything, but I got to go. But an interruption or a divine appointment? Twice in four days. You just never know when God wants to use you. Keep your eyes and your ears open. Let's pray. God, we thank you for how you are always working and moving in our lives and in our world. And help us to believe that you are living and active. You're still speaking. And God, sometimes we are the people you want to use to help people in their moments of need. And other times we are in need. And when we are in need, God, send people to us. And in the meantime, hold us fast. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.